welcome to Vineyard KC West podcast. For more information, visit us at vineyardkcwest.com. All right, so um, anybody ever remember this book? Anybody ever have this book? Worst Case Survival Handbook? Or the Worst Case Scenario Survival Handbook? They ever get this? It came out in like 1999, perfect timing, because, you know, in 1999, you know, kind of interesting, you know, like Y2K, you know, it's going to end the world and, and that sort of thing. So this book came out in that kind of time. And uh, I actually had a therapist tell me, it's like, you, you have worst case scenario thinking, you know, because that kind of stuff. I'm like, okay, well, I'm always prepared. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but uh, he, uh, this book has these kind of things. It helps you how to fend off a shark, okay, um, how to take a punch, how to deliver a baby in a taxi cab. I don't know what you would do if it was just a regular car, but if you're ever in a taxi, you can do it. Um, how to survive a poisonous snake attack, how to jump from a moving car, how to identify a bomb, escape from killer bees, uh, how to survive if your parachute fails to open. So, you know, all kinds of stuff here. And what's interesting is, is that the timing of this book was, was so good because um, it, it, it started, like in the early 2000s, you, know, you remember the 2000 election with, you know, when it was the hanging chad and the results weren't so clear and all kinds of stuff? That's when the 24-hour news cycle like really ramped up. The, what we call the 24-hour news cycle started like in the 80s uh, with um, CNN and Ted Turner and all this stuff. And it was basically like, we've got news that you need to know all the time. But in, in 2000, with the election, that's when it ramped up. And then obviously with 9-11, and it was just this thing. And if you sat there and watched for a few hours, if you pay attention, you're actually just getting the same information over and over again, but they're putting it in layers you know, and, and repeating themselves and these things. But you're kind of looking for what's really going on. So the 24-hour news cycle then took on something new with the Internet, where with the Internet, you've got... Um, uh, you know, you've got, it's clickbait. Like, that's how everybody on the internet makes money, is that you click on their story. It doesn't even matter if the story's true. It doesn't even matter if they give you new information, but you click on it because there's ads on that page that you click on. So there's, there's something that's developed throughout this time, and it's, it's a real thing. It's called headline stress disorder, okay? So if you've ever thought you have HSD, maybe you do. I don't know. So, but you, you, we all probably suffer from it to a certain extent, and it's just this thing of, like, uh, there's clear, clever titles, and it used to be the newspaper writers would, would write something that would, uh, that would speak to something that would make you grab the newspaper or read that story, and now it's just thing after thing of this is what's going on, and I don't know how many stories I read that um, I think most of us actually, we just kind of see the headline, and that's where we get our information, right? Well, this is happening, but you go through and what this develops in us is, is, is a health, you know, not a healthy fear, but like a, a, a plenty of fear, right? Uh, we're kind of walking around with it uh, because every day we hear the next thing that's going to take us out. We hear the next thing that is going to, you know, end everything. And um, there's some very real scary things out there, some things that, you know, that really can cause problems and sicknesses and diseases and all sorts of stuff. Um, but in actuality, though, we're not to dwell there. Like, that's not our home. We're not supposed to camp out there of just wondering what the next thing is. Here's the, the, the good news, bad news. There is something that will kill us all. It's called death. Okay? It's one out of one people die. It's the, it's the most consistent statistic ever known. And I'm not trying to be morbid, but I'm just saying it's like, hey, it's, it's going to happen. 
But the reality is, is that where we get all of our information, where it's pushing, their best interest is not, isn't necessarily to inform us. It's to keep us engaged and put our focus on the stories, on the headlines, so that we stay there so that they make money. That's just, that's just the truth. And so we're in this age. Now, what did Jesus say? Because in the midst of this, you may be asking, like, well, gosh, what do we need? You know, what does the world need now? And, um, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, spoke about this. And um, this is what he said. He said, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. And so this was, this was Jesus sitting with a bunch of people, and they asked him questions like, you know, what's the greatest commandments? Like, what's the most important things that God has communicated? In essence, what's important to God? And what this communicates, what Jesus says the world needs now, is that next to loving God and receiving love from God is that we would love our neighbors, that we would be good neighbors. That's what Jesus says is needed. And it's a timeless principle. It's something that's applied throughout any time. It was true then, and it's true now. So that should be our filter. As we walk through all the different fears and all the different things that are out there, our filter should be, well, what's my assignment? Like, what's my... You know, what's the direction that God's given me? Well, love God and love people. Love your neighbors as yourself, and that's what he's given. And, you know, I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about just the, the distractions and the places that draw our attention and the fears and all the things going on, the ups and downs. And what I was thinking was is, um, you know, you've got, uh, you've got Moses, right? You've got Moses in the Old Testament. And, and so Moses... Uh, he was somebody that felt a call from God. He felt like God called him to do something, be something and, uh, in his adult life. And he felt like God told him to rescue the people or help the people of Israel, his people. But he was, he was part of Pharaoh's family. And so he ended up botching it from the get-go. Like He actually ended up killing a guy and trying to cover it up and got found out. So he took off the desert for 40 years. And so he's in the desert for 40 years. And, and, and during that time, about 40 years later, uh, it says that one day he was tending the sheep in, in, the, in the desert. And so his 24-hour news cycle was the sheep. If you've ever been around like a flock of sheep or animals, I mean, there's all kinds of needs and, and all sorts of things. They really can't take care of themselves whatsoever. And so Moses was absolutely enthralled and taken away by that 24-hour cycle of the sheep. But then there was a day where he was caring for the sheep through the desert, and he was near Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, and he was walking through, and it says that his attention was drawn to this burning bush, that this bush drew his attention away. And God does that all throughout. Sometimes he uses a bush, sometimes he uses other things, but God does that, and it was strange that this bush was burning, but it wasn't burning up. And so Moses goes over there, and what God says to him is he says, he said, Moses, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals, for this is holy ground. And it was a moment that set him right. It was a moment that set him right about what was really important. And this idea of neighboring, of being a good neighbor, is always a holy moment. Just as is the, the first part of the great commandment, love the Lord your God, because it resets us. It calibrates us back to say, what's most important? Why am I giving so much energy to things that don't matter? Why am I worrying so much? Why am I so fearful? Why am I just running my brain over so much, so, again, about the worst case scenario of what's going to happen? And so let, let's let today, for us, 
you know, be, be somewhat of a, of a holy moment. And so here's what I want you guys to know, um, that, that a good neighbor changes the world. It absolutely does. A good neighbor brings about the things that we really want in life. A good neighbor really changes the world. So no matter what problem you see on the news, you can bring it back to that if there was good neighbors, that situation would be changed. It absolutely would be. And that's why Jesus was so brilliant when he shared that, right? So the first thing that we're going to look at is, is, that, is that the neighborhood is the epicenter of God's revelation. It always is. Um, Acts chapter 17, verse 26 to 27, the context of this is, is the Apostle Paul is speaking to the wise and you know, philosophers on the hill and in Greece, and, and he's sharing with them. And in the midst of what he's sharing with them, he shares this with them. He says, from one man, God, er, he, so speaking of God, made every nation of men, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set, out, set for them in the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. So did you guys catch that? That, that God decided the exact places where people would live, and he decided when they would live. And so it doesn't say it exactly that way throughout Scripture, but it says that God is very intentional about where, you know, like he knit you in your mother's womb, and he was, he was intentional about who you would be. So we can take the concept that, that God decided when in history I would live and where I would live. And you can take it further and say, my neighborhood, that he's that intentional with us. That, and it's, it's for me and it's for other people that I'm around that actual people would be changed by me being in the neighborhood, and I would be changed by them being in the neighborhood. Now, I know some of you are saying, like, Cody, I've got acreage. I don't have neighbors. And if I do, they're for... Listen, Jesus was always talking about the people that you lived life with, the people that you saw, the people that... The person that checked you out at the grocery store, the person that, even though your neighbor is a quarter mile away, that's your neighbor, Right? Or if you work in a cubicle, okay, the person in the cubicle next to you is your neighbor, okay? So it's, it's all the people that you're around all the time. That's who Jesus is speaking of. So, so God has put us into our neighborhoods for a purpose and a place. Um, so being a good neighbor is also the way of Jesus. It absolutely is. Um, in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, the message translation of the Bible says this. It says, I love it. It says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood, right? So this is the way that God decided that he would um, actually change the world is that he would become one of us. He'd take on you know, human skin and, and he would actually move into the neighborhood, become one of us. Like Jesus had real neighbors. He had real people. And his neighborhood was the epicenter for the invasion of the kingdom of God, that everything would be changed. And you know, I know that for us, we think about it, like, well, of course God would want to become a human. I mean, we're so great, right? I mean, absolutely we are. Uh, I know one person equated it to, you know, like if you wanted to save dogs, you know, you know, would you become a dog? Think about it that way. Or if you wanted to save rats, would you, would you save rats? Like, become a rat, 
you know, and, and, and be submitted to all the things that rats go through? Or, or would you become a sheep to, you know, to save all the sheep? That's what God did. He became one of us to, to, to absolutely save us. And so the, the epicenter of, of everything that God does in and, 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 and the way of Jesus is, is through the absolute neighborhood. I know um, for me, um, my first kind of whispers of who Jesus was and, and who God was was through my neighbors. We never went to church. We never, and we lived out in the country, and so our neighbors were, you know, a quarter mile away or that sort of thing, kind of see the house. And, but, but people every once in a while would, you know, bring up Jesus or, or the, invite us to church or that sort of thing. And so, so, so neighbors were the way that we heard about God. And, and when we built our home, uh, when I was a kid, we built, you know, we had property and we built our home. We lived in a mobile home until we built it and did it in stages till we had the money and all this stuff. But, but when we built certain portions, it was, it, it, you know, all the, all the neighbors came over and helped. And so when we did the roof and the different sections you needed help, they, my dad went to them and said, hey, could you come help? And, and they, they helped put up parts of, parts of our home. And so for me, the idea of a neighbor, before I was even a Christian, was just like, wow, neighbors are, are so important. You know, when I was in high school and my dad would be out of town and I'd throw parties and stuff too, neighbors are important too. That, you know, that, there's nothing to see here. You know, there's nothing to see here. Everything's good. I'm just testing out the stereo that my dad got, you know? And so, so, so neighbors are, are, are where life happens. Because in neighborhoods, you can actually you can actually, you know, feel and taste and touch and uh, hopefully not taste, but, but just, you know, all the senses and smell and experience a person, right? Um, like you can, you can go check in at certain times to your job or, or you can put on a certain persona, but sooner or later your neighbors, they know who you really are, right? They know, like when you decide, like, I don't care that I, you know, I don't care that I've just got my pajamas on. I'm going to go out and, you know, check the mail or I'm going to go get the paper or whatever. And, and your neighbor's like, hey, you know, it's like sooner or later they're going to hear you. You know, if you, if you get in an argument, right, sooner or later they're going to hear you and like, oh, they're really excited over there. And so neighbors are close enough that they can really know the real you. And that's the idea with Jesus. John, one of the first followers of Jesus, said this. He said, that which was from the beginning... Uh, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. Notice all of the sensory uh, sight and we've, we've, we've looked at and our hands have touched. No, and he's saying we've touched the Messiah. We've touched God's answer for making things right between man and God and, 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 and people together. And he says the life appeared, we have seen it, and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was, the, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Now listen to this. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So the DNA of the kingdom of God and the DNA of God transforming the world is built in that it's, that it's in close proximity. And so, hence, neighborhood, the people that I'm around all of the time, that's how it spreads. I mean, when Jesus got done with everything, what did he do? You know, he, he left it to 12 guys that were so, in, they were just so incompetent. If you read the New Testament, all the way up until Jesus left, they were absolutely the most incompetent, like, employees or workers that you've ever seen. 
And so, you know, if you have people around you, don't feel bad. You know, if, if you're a business owner and you've left it to the employees and like, okay, don't do this, do this. And, you know, and, and, you, and you look and, and you're like, wait, wait a minute, why'd you do that? It, it's, that's how the disciples were. But the difference was made is that he said, now wait, don't do anything. I want you just to chill out for, in, for 40 days and hang out here until Pentecost. And, and, and so what happened was, is they waited to stay in Jerusalem, but then what happened? He empowered them. So they had all the gumption and all the desire in the world to do this, but the Holy Spirit came upon them and indwelled them. So now they had the power of God, the wisdom of God, the guidance of God to be able to go and, and do those things. And so, so it is today, is that, you know, I think a lot of the issues that we have in our neighborhoods and in the world would be less if we would just say, come Holy Spirit in my neighborhood. You know, you're welcome, God, Okay. Uh, just, uh, I do it around here. I haven't done it in my neighborhood yet, but every once in a while when I'm here late at night or whatever, I just walk out here and I just say, come Holy Spirit, you know, come, you know, come into this place. And so there's a few close neighbors. And so I, I know they appreciate it. And, you know, the dogs start barking and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, bring it on. So, so little, little nuts, but inviting God into our neighborhoods, inviting God into our homes and our places makes all the difference. It's, it's, it's always been the way of Jesus is, we, we would call it, like it says, he became flesh, the word incarnational, right? Incarne, okay? Like you've heard of carne asada, okay? Burritos and stuff, okay? Well, it's like carne is the word for flesh or meat. And so God took on flesh. He, he, he came into this tent and became one of us. And so it wasn't just for that action, but it was, that's how all of life and ministry would spread is that I would be present with people, that I wouldn't be just shouting from a, a mountaintop somewhere, if you want life, come here. That's not how Jesus did it. And it's the same today. Like if we want to transform our cities, if we want to transform our schools or, or our workplaces, or we want to transform anything, we have to go and be there with people. It, it, it doesn't work. Uh, you know, it used to be, I think, churches set themselves apart and like, hey, come to us. You know, if you build it, it will come. And some people would say it's shifted now. You have, I don't think it ever worked. I think, I think it's always just happened that way, that, that you have to go and be with people. You have to go get face-to-face with people. And it's, it's, it's really true today. You have to be inviting, inviting people to the life of God. So um, being a good neighbor you know, is, is what you need now too, right? Because we're talking about for other people, but you need it. Because in the midst of all the noise and the things that are going on, the ups and downs, I know that it kind of feels like, like, I don't need my neighbor. Oh, my, we, are, we, don't not, we don't know each other. We're not like each other at all. They don't do the things I do. Uh, any of those things, um, you know, you don't think that you need your neighbor. You're like, I'm tired. When I get home, I don't want to see my neighbor. Um, even, our, even the architecture, right, is, has changed with our desire to not necessarily be around other people. It used to be that, um, you know, you had the sidewalk, and then, and then you had a walkway. Uh, but the walkway in homes has actually gotten farther and farther from the street. So in other words, homes have been set back farther and farther from the street. Um, and then it used to be that every house you know, had a porch, right? And so what would you do? You know, you'd sit on the porch, and, and when people come by, hey, right? And, and, and talking that sort of thing. Now, people in the Midwest, like, we're pretty good. Like, you know, you get tired of waving at people, you know? When we first, when we first moved here, I'm like, wow, these people are so welcoming. And they're still doing it a year and a half later, but just everybody waves at each other. That's wonderful, right? 
Um, but it's set up, though, too. Like when you drive home, you drive your car into the garage. Uh, you know, what do you do? You see, hey, 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 John, good to see you. And, but in, it's kind of like if you want, you don't have to talk to them. Drive in, put the garage down, you're done, right? So even our architecture, you know, settles that. But you and I need to be good neighbors, and we need our neighborhood. We absolutely need it. Um, and here's why. Remember, we talked about Moses, right? So Moses, you know, he failed greatly, but then God gave him another opportunity. But Moses, what God did is, is he, actually, he actually sends us to our neighbors, just like he sent Moses. This is what he said to Moses. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Because God sends us to our neighbors because when we do that, we fulfill our purpose. Like he's made each of us for a specific purpose for life and, and what to do. And then also, too, if you follow Jesus, your purpose is to bring, like we talked about last week, life and love and light to other people. That's your job description. You are to bring it wherever there's darkness, wherever there's people set apart, wherever there's something going on. If there's a problem, you're there. You are to hop into that situation, bring life and love into that situation. And as you do it more and more, God will cue you off to what's going on. He shows you things. He speaks to you about things. And so, so you need that. I need that because it's always there. Like that, that ministry is always there. It's like the Walmart over here. If you want to like hop into ministry and care for people, go to the Walmart over here, right on Parallel Parkway. No joke. If you want to, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of saying, you guys are laughing and, and I'm laughing a little bit. It's like, man, it's interesting, right? But no joke. Every time I go there, like actually 80% of the time I go there, God speaks to me about somebody and, 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 and I share something with him and encourage him. There was just this guy the other day, and he's walking in, and, and I saw he had like a, a work name badge on here, and, um, and I got out of the car, tired, not care about anything, not looking to do anything, but all of a sudden, God's like, I want you to tell that guy that I know his name. So I saw him, I'm like, oh, man. So I'm kind of walking slow, because he's right in front of us, like, no, and Michelle tells me to go get something, you know, uh, you know go get this, and 10 minutes later, she finds me, and and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find this guy, right? Like, where'd he go? Because he takes off. And so I found him in the candy aisle. And, and so finally, I'm like, I'm like, and so Michelle's walking to my mom. Hey, and she's looking. She's like, you don't even have this stuff. And so, so I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like hey, listen, what, what's your, what, I'm Cody. What's your name? And so we talk. And I, just, I told him, hey, I feel like God, feel like he knows your name. Here's your. And so we walked through this. And, and he says, um, and I said, you know, and he's just kind of like, okay, I'm all, does that ring a bell for anything? No, not really. I'm like, oh, man. Okay, not only do I not have the stuff for Michelle, but, the, like, I wasn't supposed to share with this guy, okay? And then, and then I said, well, you know, usually when God will show me that kind of thing, it's like there's something going on in somebody's life. And he goes, well, maybe I should go back to church. I'm like, that's a good start. But, <laughs> but, but and, then, and then I kind of said, and walked through, and then all of a sudden his wheels are turning. All of a sudden he goes, well, actually, we've got this going on. And I'm not, I'm not sharing it because for his, for his um, um, you know, privacy. But he just goes, yeah, so my wife and I have this going on. And we, we, you know, blah, 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 blah. Great. So let's pray. And he's like, you know, and so, so we walk over near the cream cheese. And, and that's where you pray if you want to pray for somebody. And so, so we just like, let's pray. And so typically when I pray for somebody, I pray with my eyes open because I want to see what God's doing. 
right? Like if I'm praying for something, I want to see what God's doing with the person. But I found that with people in those situations, I, I don't do that because a lot of times in the store, they're not going to close their eyes. And so it's kind of awkward if you're just staring at each other, right? So, so I bow my head and I pray, and, and he's got his eyes open. But, so we prayed, and, and, and it, the guy was encouraged. Why? Because you never forget when you hear something from God, right? You, you never forget that. He's always going to remember that, and especially, you know, as God works in that, and he shows his presence in their home and, and works through that situation. And so, so, so God sends us to people, he sends us, and we need to be able to do that because otherwise, you guys, you will always feel like you're, like, you always feel like there's this tension between, like, I've received so much from Jesus, and I, I want to help other people, and I know I'm supposed to, and, and they talk about evangelism, and they talk about sharing Jesus and these things, and, and unless you, like, go to the people that you're around and just love them and serve them and bake them cookies and talk to them and love them and help them and all those things and also receive help, then you're going to feel this tension. You're, you're just going to feel like, ah. And, um, and I understand it. It, it takes time, time out of things. Also, too, you know, God reminds us who we are with our neighbors. So, but Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And it reminds us, hey, we've got a purpose, right? Like, when I saw that guy, I was in a bad mood. I wasn't feeling well. I, I, I had a bad day, you know, all sorts of things, right? And I get out of the car, and God says, go tell that guy. And it reminded me who I am. Like, I'm, it doesn't matter if I don't feel well. It doesn't matter if I don't have things going on. But I'm supposed to go love that guy. That's who I am. That's, that's, that's part of my vocation. Not as a pastor, but as a follower of Jesus. I mean, it is as a pastor, but it's, it's not something separate from you guys. We all have that. And then also, too... Um, you know, God promises his presence as well. In verse 12 here, it says, it says, and God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. So God's like, hey, I'm going to bring you back to this place. And so again, God's presence in our neighborhoods, we need it. And then there's this verse here too, and I love it. It's in Proverbs uh, in the Old Testament. Um, you know, do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. But a neighbor nearby, um, better a neighbor nearby than a relative far away. And so doesn't that speak to that it's God's plan, like all the way back then, that, that neighbors would care for each other, that they would hop in and, 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 and walk things out with each other. So neighbors need each other. I mean, um, I remember when I was in seventh grade, my brother was in eighth grade, um, we had moved out from the country to the, in town, and, and um, my brother was, there was these, you could ride motorcycles down to the railroad tracks, and so we had dirt bikes for the first time, and so my brother's riding down there, and he and this other guy, like, they're both coming over like a rolling hill, and they, they clipped each other, and so, and my brother had, all, you know, he had to have all kinds of surgery, and he was a wheelchair for a bit, and it was pretty traumatic, but, um, you know, ambulances and all kinds of things, but it was neighbors that stepped up. Like, as all of that was going on, there was all these neighbors that, that you know, we were the family, the divorced family with the dad, with the, you know, boy lived down here, one lived here, and so it, not tons of people, like, reaching out, but all of a sudden, there was, there was disaster, and all of a sudden, everybody came out, we, and then we knew these people afterwards, and so God's designed it that way. Now, we could have called relatives that live six hours away and stuff, wouldn't work, right? So God's given us neighbors to help care for us. So, so, you know, what can we do differently? Well, we need to invest time in our neighborhood because 
the same thing is like you can go out and talk, try to talk to a neighbor. Like I've got neighbors in my neighborhood and, and some are like really like to talk and other people are kind of like, why are you talking to me? Okay. And no joke. I, hey, I, you know, um, there was a neighbors in Oceanside where we lived in San Diego um, before we moved here. And there were some neighbors that like the kids upset them. They're too loud. And so Michelle and I are like, no problem. We got this. We're making the cookies. We're bringing them over. Michelle makes the cookies. I bring them over. Smile. Love you guys. Hey, everything's cool. And they wouldn't take the cookies. I mean, you know, I mean, I think they were aliens, uh, probably. I mean, like, why would you not take the cookies? And so, so you know, there's, there's things, but you, you've got to invest in the neighborhood because it's not necessarily that, that automatic return. Like, everybody's like, oh, great. Let's hang out. So you've got to recognize the barriers of, of neighboring and then move past them. So number one barrier to, to why we don't neighbor and, and pour into it is we don't see the value in it. In other words, it's like I've got all these other things that I see values, or it's not a priority, right? Like my neighbors aren't my priority. So here's the deal. Give it value. Give it value because all the things we share today, God values it. it it's important to him. Um, we lack the time needed to build the relationship. Isn't that true? I'm pouring my time in all these other things. Well, invest small and consistent amounts of time. It doesn't have to be huge. Just small deposit over time. It's the, the same principle as compounding interest with money applies to relationships. You don't have to get you know, look. You don't have to transform your neighborhood overnight. Just small deposit here and there. Like um, this time of year, uh, I know what we do is. Um, everybody's kind of holed up, you know, during winter more, and you don't see each other, but all of a sudden, everybody starts working on their yard and stuff, and so, you know, hey, I'm in the midst of my product. Hey, how's it going? Take time to talk and, and do those things. That's a small deposit. Um, uh, then the next thing is we, last, we lack trust due to the proximity of neighbors being way too near to us, right? That's the thing, you know, um, you know some, of, some of us at different times have been like, Gosh, I wish God had decided a different neighborhood for me to live in, you know, if he decided this neighborhood. But sometimes neighbors are scary because they're, they're close to us, and we want to be guarded, and we don't want to necessarily share our life or ourselves with them because, like, what if, you know, they're the people that we watch things on TV about, right? And you, you, you really don't know that. You absolutely don't. Um, and so you, you've got a risk. And so, so if you trust, will follow value in time. So if you do the first two things, the trust will come. And you'll be wise and you'll say, you know, I'm not going to invest there. That's, that's, you know, that's not necessarily the wisest situation. Um, so so um, think about this. Every lonely person has neighbors. Every person that's depressed and struggling right now has neighbors around them. Like every person that um, relationship and, and possibly marriage and, and things are falling apart, um, every person that's struggling as a parent um, for you young moms, you know, every young mom, like, has neighbors. Uh, you, you, every th- person that has things going on in their life, they have neighbors around them. And, uh, and they, they absolutely need um, just relationship with other people. Um, when we decide to love our neighbors as ourselves, because that's the, the mandate from Jesus, um, we create what's right in the world. Right? You know those times where you look at things, those stories people share, and, and you look at them, you say, that's what's right in the world. Right? I've seen it in this community here when there's different things that go on. The, the other day, uh, their uh, family experienced uh, a loss, and, and all of a sudden, I, we got a text from one person, we got a call from another person, you know, because they needed some tables and different things and, and help with this thing. And I'm just like, wow, this is so beautiful. 
people coming together and just helping in that time and stepping into it. That's what's right in the world. Um, you know, if, if we neglect loving our neighbors and ourselves, then um, we see less of that. Uh, we can't sit back and just say, gosh, I wish my neighborhood was different. We need to step in and be the change of it. So here's a couple of, you know, things to take at home. Number one, um, here's a good prayer. God, give me a desire to be in relationship with my literal neighbors. You know, that's probably a good start, like if you're, if, if you're not into that. Next is pray for your neighbors. You know, pray for your neighborhood. Uh, we go on walks with our dog a lot, and so, so uh, we'll pray as we walk the neighborhood and, and pray for different homes, pray for different things that are going on, just asking God's presence in our neighborhood. Um, you know, the, the, the most natural way to connect with people and to share life with people is through shared activities. And so some things that you can do with neighbors is, you know, baking or cooking, uh, playing sports. Uh, that's pretty easy. I mean, I, the kids get it, right? The, 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 my, my teens get it. They go out front and play basketball. All of a sudden, there's 20 kids out there, and it's like this royal rumble, right? All going on, and there's bikes on the grass and all kinds of stuff. Same thing with all the basketball hoops there. It's like that's why we put it in. We want to be a part of that. And so the kids get it, like they just gather and do stuff. Um, you know, watch sports or other shows on TV. There may be something that you guys enjoy together. Um, you know, share a meal together, uh, you know, that sort of thing. Throw a block party. Uh, that's, that's one of the neighborhoods we lived in Oceanside. We, they, had been, they had done block parties like 10 years before, but they had stopped. And we said, hey, do you guys ever do this? And no, great, we'll get it started. And so we just kind of walked door to door and said, hey, we're going to do this block party. And everybody came besides that one house with no cookies. They didn't want the cookies. So that's okay. So we just waft the barbecue smell down there. You know, like, Come on, we'll draw them out. Okay. But it, it, it just, it takes walking through that. Um, on the bottom of your outline in your bulletin, there's a link to a website that has resources. Um, the best book I've read on this, there's several, is called The Art of Neighboring. And um, it just takes you through the steps and the importance of this, of what God's doing, and you can kind of walk through some steps there. So let's stand together, and Nikki's going to come up uh, and uh, lead us in another song here. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit vineyardkcwest.com.